Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Ujima Spirit Podcast. I am your host, Tika Tater. This is part three of the transgender myth, exposing transgenderism. We have a lot to cover. Let's go ahead and get started. Now, modern women and men were transitioned from their original state into artificial and superficial people. The word trans basically means to change or have change from one thing to another. They were transformed through social engineering by the elite who orchestrated the different social movements of the 1950s through the 1970s. The foundation for social indoctrination and brainwashing were firmly established using the social changes such as the woman right to work, the hippie and drug culture, sexual revolution, women, feminist, and gay movements. These social movements altered the moral fabric, values, and principles that prohibited individuals from engaging in certain destructive behaviors. Moral boundaries were put into place to promote family values and gender roles. During this time, the majority of people were following traditional cultural customs that were passed down from one generation to another. They emulated their grandparents' and parents' lifestyle without any drastic changes. These old-fashioned customs provided social continuity, structure, security, and stability. Most individuals knew their identity, their roles, obligations, and responsibilities. There was no confusion or doubt of who or what they were. Obviously, there was always a very small percentage of the minority of the population who had personal problems that prevented them from being normal or conforming to societal expectations. During the 1930s in America, women in higher economic classes were not expected to engage in outside employment. It was the common practice for women to stay home, at home, to become housewives, caretakers, and nurturers of their families. The economy was set up where one income was enough to provide the family's basic needs. However, during World War II in the 1940s, there was a labor shortage because millions of men were involved in the war. Many of the jobs they used to do became vacant. The United States government encouraged women to enter the workforce to temporarily take over the men's occupational roles in civilian and military jobs. Also, many other jobs were created to provide women work opportunities that weren't available before. The government funded daycare services to facilitate women's employment. Women were given the status of secondary workers and paid lower salaries than men because they weren't considered the breadwinner or provider of their family's needs. It was common for married women to be prohibited from working certain jobs. Women were expected to get married at a young age. A single woman was allowed to work in certain occupation fields, but was fired when they became married or pregnant. This was called the marriage bar. Women worked in gender segregated jobs and no men were allowed to occupy these positions such as child care services, secretary, cleaner, receptionist, 
and store clerk. However, during World War II, women were allowed to work traditional male jobs as military personnel and civilians. After the war, these women were forced to leave their jobs to accommodate the men who were returning home. Now, half of these women stayed in the workforce doing other jobs. So many social changes took place due to millions of women working outside their homes during the war. Now, women rose, obviously were changed due to these things that took place during the war. The woman was challenged, you know, to step outside the stereotype of what a woman could and couldn't do. She went from being a caretaker to a worker, from focusing on the family to controlling the finances, from being dependent on a man to providing for herself from not having a voice in the family to being the decision maker, from being restricted to having freedom of choice, from being non-competitive to competitor, from being suppressed to becoming empowered. So these are some of the changes that took place to women during the war and after the war. Now, women's images change as a result of them go working in the fields and the factories, you know, and the military occupations, their image changed, okay? She went from being seen as soft, feminine, nurturing, subservient, respectable, and domesticated to become more masculine. She adopted the image characteristics and mannerism of males due to occupying certain positions in the family and society. Now, even though it appeared on posters that women were kept in touch with their femininity despite their manly jobs. That's what it seemed like when they put, they put the pictures on the posters. These women who are working in the military, they still had them in a dress. They still had them in long skirts. So they kept them in touch with their feminine even though they were doing manly jobs. Now, women's fashion change. Okay, she was now encouraged to wear more non-traditional female clothing, such as pants, overall jeans, and shirts that were typically part of men's fashion. Now, women's responsibilities change. She was still required to continue her wifely duties and motherly roles, even though she was now working full-time in the workforce. She had to find the balance of taking care of family by herself when her husband was away fighting the war. She had to do all these things without the assistance of a man due to his absence. So definitely she got more of the responsibilities. Now women's relationship with men changed. She changed her interaction, communication, relationship with men because of the different dynamics that emerged from taking on different roles. She changed her perception of herself, the world, and her relationship to men. Now, women's sexuality changed as a result of what happened during World War II. She adopted a more masculine identity that changed the way most men perceive her to be as a sexual being. Her sexual orientation was now questioned and challenged. She was being labeled as a lesbian or homosexual due to acquiring male mannerism or characteristics. She was labeled mannish and unnatural because of her new position. So these are the changes that took place 
during World War II and afterwards that starting that started to change the roles of women, women's identity, women's images, women's fashion, women's responsibility, women's relationship with men and with other people, and women's sexuality. Now let's move on to the next big event that had an impact towards women that's leading them more towards transgenderism. In the 1960s, the hippie movement was started by young, white, middle, and upper-class college students. This was a counterculture group that opposed their parents' restrictive religious beliefs, social, and personal values. This became an alternative lifestyle that practiced nonconformity, individualism, hedonistic pursuits, open sexual relationships, communal living arrangements, living off the land, vegetarianism, Eastern spiritual beliefs, psychedelic drug usage, and social protests. Supposedly, they were trying to create the utopian community of free love, music, creativity, and fun. But it was unsustainable. The hippie movement made a tremendous impact on the greater society. The hippie the hippies publicly rejected many social norms. They rejected patriarchy, blind patriotism, traditional roles of men and women, conservatism, the acceptance of excessive materialism and consumerism, and the war culture. It ushered in the sexual revolution by encouraging people to become sexually uninhibited by engaging in sexual experimentation such as orgies, group sex, homosexuality, bisexuality, and premarital sex with multiple partners. Now, obviously, this lack of sexual morality eroded the moral fabric of younger people. Even though many individuals were practicing sexual promiscuity, the social institutions did not condone or promote these behaviors and had laws against certain sexual behaviors. They had sodomy laws against oral and anal sex. The hippie movement normalized having sex outside a committed relationship and children being born out of wedlock. The hippies also revolutionized the physical appearance of men and women. With time, many of the non-traditional behaviors of the hippie movement became mainstream and people outside that community started emulating their hedonistic lifestyle. What was considered abnormal and deviant behavior became more socially acceptable by the masses in Western culture. This change in social values fueled the demand for removing old beliefs, standards, and laws. Operating outside the family structure and social order had negative consequences that were creating new problems. Now, due to this free love mentality, many young single women were getting pregnant and demanding the state to legalize abortion. The man no longer had to take responsibility for the pregnancy to play his role in being a husband, father, and provider to his family. Moving on to the 1970s, let's see the social changes that took place in the 1970s that's leading us closer to the transgender movement. Now, during the 1970s, the feminist movement 
push the agenda of men and women being equal in all ways. The previous women's rights movement primarily focused on getting women equal civil rights and equal pay, but didn't challenge the differences between women and men. The feminist movement promoted the idea that there's no real tangible differences between men and women. They wanted to justify women being able to do whatever men were doing without any exceptions. They wanted women to do whatever men were doing without any exception. I have to repeat that. This is the feminist movement that's pushing this. They push an experiment of role reversal through the implementation of the unisex culture. This new cultural movement promoted gender-neutral lifestyles, which included an androgynous look for both males and females, which included the following. Physical appearance. They wanted all male and females to be unisexual, meaning that you couldn't tell the difference between women and men, hairstyles. Both men and women were wearing the same hairstyles. Fashion, clothing, jewelry, accessories, and even makeup. Lifestyle choices, bisexuality, gender-neutral toys. Now, the feminist movement pushed this agenda. Now, however, the unisexual appearance was based more on masculinity than femininity. In other words, the trend was to make women appear manlier. Essentially, women were wearing man clothing adapted for their bodies that were originally designed for men. During that time, there are certain coats that women didn't wear, but they started wearing coats that look like men coats, dress shirts, blazers, jackets, pants, trousers, tuxedos, combat boots, tambour aesthetics, and overalls, right? These things weren't typically worn by women. Clothes that were made to clearly distinguish male and females, physical or biological features were replaced with unisexual fashion. Obviously, a woman's body part made these clothing feminized, even though they wanted to eliminate this gender marker. This femininity displayed by the female body clearly differentiates females and males' appearance. Uniformity was basically masculinized. Okay, uniformity with masculinity was the ultimate goal by the feminist movement, right? So the feminist woman really wanted to masculinize the feminine body. They believed that by appearing more masculine, females could gain more social power and break free from masculine control. They encouraged more women to adopt the unisexual clothing as a way to become more liberated, adventurous, strong, and independent. You got to think about now, this is the feminist movement. They're the one who started this stuff. Okay? Product of social engineering. Now, we went from the 1940s to the 1960s to the 1970s. That's, that's what we're doing. Now, we're starting in the 2000s. Now, starting in the 2010. The unisexual culture re-emerged, but this time the emphasis was placed on the, the feminization of men's appearance, clothing, and mannerism. This ushered in the metrosexual movement, which included men who rejected the old tradition of masculine role and appearance to embrace the more feminine side of themselves. 
It was a custom for homosexual males to display or imitate more feminine ways. However, these men didn't identify as homosexuals and claimed to be heterosexuals. They wanted to utilize the homosexual male's aesthetic without being gay. It became difficult to distinguish the gay men from the metrosexual heterosexual men. They both were adopting a lifestyle that were traditionally exclusively associated with females. Right? Let's look at these characteristics that were adopted by these gay males or metrosexual males who claim not to be gay. All right, superficial and vain. A lot of these men, they started becoming superficial and vain just like the women. They're focusing on their personal appearance to meet beauty standards. A real masculine, manly, manly man really don't really focus so much on their physical appearance. So this became something that was adapted by the gay males and the metrosexual males. Excessive attention to physical appearance. They were focused on their hair, their nails, their skin, their face. High consumerism on beauty supplies and body care products. Engaging in women's beauty rituals. They're doing pedicure, medicure, makeup application, waxing, bleaching, hair dyeing and extensions. Wearing earrings and body piercing. Sporting fitted pants and tight clothes. Now metrosexuals were different from homosexual men. They adopted a, they adopted some of the fashion style, mannerism, and etiquette of gay men, even though they were heterosexuals. However, the metrosexual lifestyle was already being practiced by male celebrities, entertainers, athletes, and millionaires. These men were granted the social permission to pamper themselves like women and dress more feminine. Obviously, many creative men, such as singers, poets, musicians, were given the creative license to take on more feminine role in appearance as part of their artistic expression, even though some of these men were not gay or bisexual. Now, there are some men who wear traditional women's clothing for erotic or sexual purposes. These are known as transvestites or cross-dressers. Some of these men were not homosexuals, but chose to outwardly present themselves using female attire, mannerism, and appearance. However, in many countries, cross-dressing was illegal and punished by law. It was forbidden for men and women to wear the opposite gender's clothing in order to impersonate them. Transvestites and cross-dressing were considered a mental health disorder. Also, gender disguise is a practice used by women and men to change their physical appearance for different reasons. Now look at why. Why they were engaging and wearing the opposite gender's clothing. Why did they want to look like the opposite gender? Let's go through it. Why? Let's, let's discuss it. Change identity. They wanted to change their identity. They wanted to gain access to something such as opportunity, resources, wealth, and political positions. They wanted to avoid dealing with a situation such as male military draft or females joining the military pretending to be males. 
hiding from someone and preventing something from happening, such as a rape, discrimination, or punishment. So we do have people, for whatever reason, who decided to cross-dress, to pretend to be the other gender. And it's not always about sex. It's not always about wanting to be the other gender, but they have their own objectives when they do it. Now, playing character a role. In Western entertainment, many of the theatrical plays were performed by men who were cross-dressing on television shows and comedies. Many of these characters were played, many of these female characters were played by men. And that's just the way it was. All right, they were pretending to be females. Now, there were biological males cross-dressing, performing as drag queens or female impersonators who imitated famous biological female celebrities or characters. They are some few biological females who have become drag kings impersonating famous males, right? Another, another reason why a lot of these people, you know, would imitate the opposite sex, it was a sexual fetish. Wearing the opposite gender clothing just for sexual arousal. Some men engage in the sexual practice called sissification or feminization. That part, that was a part of the dominance and submission dominatrix sex subculture. This sexual deviance includes reversing the gender roles and making a male take part in sissy training to make him more feminine. This is a form of humiliation-based sexual pleasure which some males voluntarily subject themselves to which include the following. Cross-dressing in women's clothing, underwear, lingerie, wearing makeup and high heels, bondage being restrained or tied, sadomasochism being beaten, injured, or taking pain, and pegging which include anal sex acts by female who is using a strap on Didlo. Now, as we can see, there's a history of some people cross-dressing for different reasons. However, this alternative lifestyle was never considered normal or acceptable by most non-Western cultures. It was seen as abnormal, deviant, and perverted by most indigenous societies. Transvestites and cross-dressers participated in a subculture which included homosexuality, bisexuality, sexual and sexual degeneracy. It was not just a form of self-expression or rebellion against society's gender roles. It evolved into distinct lifestyles as we see today. Now these individuals are now called transgender but were initially called gender benders. This movement started in the 1960s in Western culture and now has infiltrated every aspect of society. These individuals who practice gender bending created the term gender fuck. Their real objective is clearly demonstrated in the words that they use to describe their movement. Their goal is to alter and permanently change the gender roles to usher in a genderless society which translates to social anarchy and societal breakdown. Now let's discuss some of their plans that most people may not be aware as of yet, even though we are now seeing some of these goals being accomplished. 
So what was the purpose of them practicing gender bending? What was the goal? They turned this into a social movement, which is now called transgenderism. Now let's look at the purpose. Elimination of gender binary or removal of two distinct biological sex or genders, right? This is what they did. They eliminated. Biologically, it's only two genders, male or female. This group, the bender genders, their goal was to eliminate gender binary, right? Next agenda. No sex gender identity assigned at birth based on biology. They don't want the children who are being born to be assigned a birth, at birth, a biological identity. Okay, even though the child's anatomy, genitalia, chromosome gene states that they are male, they don't want human babies to be classified or categorized as a biological male or female, boy or girl, men or woman. They don't want that. And that has happened or is happening. Promoting androgynous and unisexualism as the norm. They want that to be the dominant identity. No visible, physical or social distinctions between biological male and female. The next goal, introduction of different and multiple forms of gender construct. All right. They wanted to create multiple gender construct. They are not associated or related to biological sex or gender. Right? They want to give people the option to be transsexual and gender fluid to change gender at will. That's what they want. They want nonconformity to existing gender roles and established genderless roles that will be adopted by everyone regardless of biological differences between male and female. Now we see what these people want. This is the goal. So follow the follow the goals. You'll see that one by one, they're going to accomplish these goals if we don't stop them. If we don't interfere and say, no, we're not going with this agenda. Now they want to change all types of standards or expectations based on biological sex and gender. Males don't have to be masculine and females don't have to be feminine. Gender expression is based on feeling instead of biology. This is what they want and this is what they have right now. Redefining the family and destabilizing it. Removing the parent identity and role. Males no longer are classified as fathers or females are not classified as mothers but as birthing parents. The male doesn't have to play the role of the father. Anyone can take on that role and the female doesn't have to play the role of the mother. Anyone can take on that role according to their philosophy. Even though biological females are the only ones biologically, genetically, anatomically, and hormonally equipped to be mothers. By default, they are the ones prepared to provide breast milk, nurturing, and care for a newborn infant. A biological-born male cannot replace a mother and provide what is needed for the healthy development of a newborn baby. The babies who are deprived of their biological mother's care and love will experience some type of trauma from the separation, which constitutes a form of abandonment, neglect, and abuse. Nature intended for a child to be conceived by a biological male and female and be nurtured in love by both parents. 
Anyone that practices any type of deviation from this natural order is going to create problems for their child. All right. These problems can be long term or short term and they will have serious negative consequences. Right. The next goal that we see this transgender movement implementing is grooming children. Grooming children to recruit them into the transgender lifestyle, providing unscientific misinformation and conflicting messages to confuse children, leading them to believe they are transgender. Studies show that the majority of children who suffer from gender confusion, when they go through puberty, they no longer have this problem. Children are being persuaded or coerced into making an adult decision of transitioning into the opposite gender by teachers, counselors, and therapists. If children or teenagers express any interest in transgenderism, automatically they are pushed into gender-affirming care, which include offering puberty hormone blockers, cosmetic surgery, and medical care without any mental health evaluation or counseling to discourage them from entering into this transition. Children who are still minors who are not allowed to engage in numerous activities due to their age, immaturity, inexperience, and status are given the legal right to make decisions to become a transgender without their parents' permission or consent. However, children cannot engage in the following activities because of their minor status. Children cannot participate in consensual sex. Children cannot drive a car. They cannot smoke cigarettes. They cannot purchase and drink alcohol. They can't sign a business contract. They can't authorize medical procedures. They can't grant permission for school activities and field trips. They can't join the military. They can't inherit money or property. They can't work legally in a job and they can't get married without their parents' permission. But yet they are given the authority by some state governments to make a permanent decision to alter and mutilate their bodies, becoming sterile and infertile. They have to live with the long-term serious medical complications from taking hormone therapy and undergoing cosmetic surgery, making permanent changes to their body such as their breasts, they have breast amputations, penis removal surgery, making permanent changes to their bodies that they cannot go back and change. They have hysterectomies being performed and body modification. Many of these children are living living and physical states of chronic pain. They may have physical disabilities due to this chronic pain. They have long-term suffering and discomfort from conditions dealing with their medical transition. This is something that is happening right now as we speak. Now continuing, no separation of male and female public accommodations Everyone has full access to all public facilities at the same time, regardless of potential problems or deadly consequences such as rape, harassment, targeting of children, and biological females. Now continue, replace heterosexuality as the natural sexual orientation and institute 
bisexuality, homosexuality, and pansexuality as the new normal practice. Right? Now, they want to include, they're working their way to include pedophilia, bestiology, sadomachism, sadomasochism, and other deviant sexual practices. These alternative lifestyles have been proven to be unhealthy and self-destructive with numerous negative consequences on all levels. They produce medical, physical, emotional, mental, and social problems. Also, they produce mental health problems to include depression, depression, suicide, drug and alcohol addiction, sexual addiction, eating disorders, dysfunctional and toxic behaviors. Right? Now, another goal that they have is institute new gender neutral language that makes no distinction between biological male and female. They want people to use correct gender pronouns, they and them instead of he or she. It's important to know what biological sex gender people are because of various reasons. Medical purposes, male and female bodies are different. They each require different medical treatment procedures and medication. Because of the physical differences between male and females, there are some jobs, there are some jobs that females are not physically equipped to do, such as constructive work, construction work, and labor-intensive jobs because physically men have more muscle mass and can carry heavier objects than females. Now, male and females operate differently mentally and emotionally, and knowing someone's gender will prepare you to deal with them accordingly. So, gender is very important. All right, so when you're dealing with people, you're calling them them or hey, you don't know who you're dealing with. You don't know how to work with them or you don't know what their expectations may be. You don't know. You're just in confusion. Continuing, mandate the teaching of transgenderism in public schools and add it into the curriculum, which includes sex education. They want to teach children about homosexuality, bisexuality, and pedophilia without parental consent or permission, even though the school system was not designed to teach alternative lifestyle. Its function is specifically to teach basic skills of reading, writing, and math. It has become the top priority for the school board to teach about transgenderism while deliberately failing to prepare the student academically to pursue a profitable career or higher education whether it be going to college or vocational training. There's a high rate of illiteracy, high school dropout rates, school violence, student drug and alcohol use, and substance addiction. We also have in the school high rate of sexual assault and rape, domestic violence and dating violence. We have a lot of bullying due to racism, racism, classism, sexism, obesity, and body shaming. Yet the only subject that matters is homosexuality and transgenderism while disregarding everything else. Okay, continuing. Discredit or insult religious institutions that don't condone or support transgenderism. Deny religious people the right to practice their spiritual or religious belief. The same way 
transgenders can practice their alternative lifestyle and force people to respect them, it's only fair and right to give other people the same respect and accommodation to practice their own constitutional rights of freedom of religion. This is something that we cannot understand. How is it that it's okay for transgenders to practice their lifestyle and to have their own way of life, but yet it's not okay for other people to express their own spiritual and religious beliefs and practice their own lifestyle? What's wrong with people protecting their family values, their tradition and their custom? The same way that gay people, homosexuals, transgenders have rights, other people have rights as well. Now, why isn't other people's rights respected? Why is the homosexual, the transgender community's right, you know, being prioritized? That's the question that we need to ask. Okay. Now, the next goal is hijacking the medical industry to achieve their goal of transitioning from transgender into transsexual using medical technology to physically alter and mutilate the human anatomy using hormonal replacement, cosmetic surgery, and gender reassignment surgery, which is very costly. To add on to that, the procedure is also very painful with deadly side effects. Now, after all these medical procedures, many transgender people are not happy or satisfied with their results or outcome. They experience unexpected problems and complications which makes their lives very difficult and miserable. A large portion of these individuals have decided to detransition back to their biological gender. That's what they did. They, they realized that what they thought they were going to get, what they were promised to get, they didn't get it. They were lied to. The medical establishment industry lied. They did not give them the full disclosure. They didn't tell them what the possible side effects, what can happen to them on a physical level, emotional level, on a mental level. They did not fully disclose the information. And what they said they were going to do, they weren't able to do it. Now, technically, there's no such thing as a transsexual because biologically, it's impossible to change one's biological sex, even though superficial changes can be made. An imitation, fake penis or vagina can be constructed, but it's not functional as the real original body part. It has to be surgically, hormonally, cosmetically, and manually maintained for it to continue to exist. The next goal, infiltration of the political arena by powerful individuals and organizations who are pushing this genderless agenda in society. They're creating public laws and policies to promote and support the transgender movement, even though this subculture is a very small segment of the global population. Most people do not agree with replacing gender binary with transgenderism, and they know it's not a natural state to be in. The majority of people, 99%, are subscribed to a gender binary reality, male or female. 
And this practice has been in place for hundreds of thousands of years since the beginning of civilization. We have created great empires, produced amazing work, acquired knowledge, and continued our existence as a human species while using our gender binary reality. Obviously, it works. Male and female have to come together to procreate and reproduce in order to continue the genetic legacy of the human race. Without the unification of biological male and female to create a family, there will be no community or nation. The human race will become extinct. Okay, now continuing the next label, the next objective, mislabeled, judging and attacking people who are not in agreement with the transgender and homosexual lifestyle. Anytime someone points out the destructive behaviors, contradictions, hypocrisy, or insanity of the alternative movement, they're called homophobic or transphobic. This label is supposed to be a form of intimidation that stops people from speaking or questioning this movement. Now, phobia, transphobia, homophobia, that's word is not that word is not really a good description for what they're trying to say because they're claiming that people are hateful when they go against this self-destructive lifestyle right in reality people are not hateful and people are not fearful people are concerned that is the ultimate state concern and as we witness the self-destructive lifestyle of the gay community and the transgender community, we need to be concerned. We need to be worried. All right? So a phobia is an irrational fear. So people are not displaying any irrational fears of homosexuality or transgenderism. There are valid and logical concerns fears, and worries regarding this unhealthy lifestyle. So this is something that we really, really need to think about because they are so quick to say that people are transphobic. They're homophobic just to shut people down. But the reality is there are real issues that need to be addressed. Real issues that need to be prioritized so we can understand what's happening. Now, this is the completion of the transgender myth. We want to cover as much as possible. As much as possible. So people can have a greater understanding of the transgenderism movement. Just wanted to give a history of how did this happen in the United States. Because a lot of people say that they never saw it coming. One minute, you know, transgenderism was on the, on the, on the platform, and everybody just want to be a transgender, transgender. But this is not something that happened by itself. This is not something that just progressively got worse. No, this is something that was systematically or systemically planned. All right, the people who are the fathers and mothers of social engineering, the people who are in power who want to see a transformation throughout society, they've been planning this since the 1950s. They have been 
implementing different policies, different social changes through the social movements that have taken place throughout the years for them to implement this homosexual, bisexual, and transgenderism agenda that they have been planning to do. So this is just a brief overview of the things that took place on a social level so people can understand how did this thing come to be? And all of a sudden we have an influx or group of children, young people who all of a sudden woke up the next day and they're transgender or they're homosexual or they're bisexual or they're polyamorous. All of a sudden, you know, this is happening. Now, this is not happening by itself. This is a social engineering project, right? This is the breakdown of society. Now, I just reviewed some of the objectives that the gender benders had, all right? These objectives are things that they set out to do. And obviously, we could see that some of those things already have taken place. And we could see other things are in the making right now. And if we continue down this path, we could see where it's going to lead us, where it's going to take us. And you don't need to be a brain surgeon or a a scientist to understand what's happening right now, what's to come. So we want to go ahead on and break down this transgenderism. You know, we want to make sure that people understand it is a myth that is not real. We make it real by accepting it as a truth. In reality, there is no truth in it at all. None whatsoever. This is the first time in humanity that people are questioning their biological identity. It's the first time in humanity that people are given a choice on a massive level that, hey, you can choose your gender. You can choose your gender role. You can choose the lifestyle that you want to live. You don't have to keep the traditional roles as a biological male or female. As we can see, based in the United States, during World War II, this also happened in uh, Western cultures as well, that women started to change. And women didn't change because they woke up one day, they wanted to change. But there were certain policies that were put into place that would facilitate those changes. And some of these women assume that they were making their own minds up. Oh, I choose to be that way. Not realizing that they were being influenced to make those changes. Those options were given to them and they were persuaded to take those options. All right? And this is why we have the transgender movement right now. This is something that's been happening the first part of the transgender movement, we have the females who are placed in a position to become more manly. Then we had the feminist movement who encouraged women to be more manly because they thought if women can become more manly, then women could share some of the power and eventually take the power from the men. But obviously that didn't happen. All right, so we switched into the early 20, uh, uh, 2000s, 2010, where they introduced a metrosexual movement. Since the women weren't masculine enough to take over, now they want to switch up to the males and make them feminine enough to take over in terms of become more feminized and take over in a sense where they're going to break down the social structure of the biological gender roles. 
right? This is the whole objective. The females couldn't break it down. Now they're using the males because the whole purpose is for them to break down the family. If you break down the family, destroy the family, you have no mothers, no fathers, then the children who are going to be born are going to be the wards of the state. That's what's going to happen. The children are going to be owned by the government. All right? And whoever whoever is genetic material that they use, they're not going to call them mother or father because they're not going to be the one raising them. I mean, it's just crazy to think that we could live in a world where people have no biological identity. I mean, it's just, it's just, it blows your mind when you really think of the implications of that. And in part one, I discuss what can happen if people have no biological identity. You know, we won't have any stability. We won't have no order. We have no structure. We have no continuity, no consistency, and we won't have any discipline to be able to maintain a healthy social structure. Right? But again, this is not something that just happened by itself. This was part of the social engineering process. The, the transformation of society. All right? And ultimately, they just want people to be powerless people to be stagnant and trapped and they have no voice and they're going to allow the people in power to do whatever it is that they want. Whatever it is that they want to do because these people won't have a moral fabric. They won't have a spiritual fabric. They won't be able to think for themselves. So in other words, they're going to be creating puppets. That's the ultimate goal. Sheeples. People who are not thinking. This is what's happening in the world that we live right now. So it's no surprise to anybody who's thinking. Now for the people who are not thinking, for the people who are used to jumping on the bandwagon, just because there's a social movement, they're lost, they're confused. They just want to be part of something. They want to be accepted. They want to be acknowledged. They're already suffering from their own identity crisis. They may know that they're male or female, but the majority of people have other identity crises. Right? They can't identify their purpose. They don't identify where they belong. They don't identify, you know, what it is that they can bring to society to make it better. So these people are pretty much gullible. They're the ones that could be easily persuaded. Anything that comes, they they easily jump on the bandwagon and they be the first ones to defend certain agendas or certain movements without really thinking about the consequences of these movements. They always say people have the right to do what they want. All right. But if that's the case, why do we have laws? If people could do whatever they want, why do we have prisons and jails? Why do we have courthouse? courthouse? Why do we have judges? If people could do whatever it is that they want to do. Now, establishing biological identity is just a basic thing. And if we are confused as a human race about our biological identity, I mean, there's no hope for humanity. Really, there is no more hope for humanity. People really have to start to think about these things, but unfortunately, they're not thinking. And they will be so quick to demonize, judge, 
and even threaten the people who are thinking. They'd be so quick to say that you're conspiracy theory. You know, you're believing in conspiracy theory. There is no agenda. All right. Now, if there's no agenda, how come the government, all the people in power are pushing this agenda? If there's no conspiracy, why are they all pushing this transgenderism agenda? Why are they pushing this homosexual agenda? Why are they making it socially acceptable? Why are they making it easy to accommodate them? There's a lot of other issues that they could be focusing on. Why focus on that? Why focus on that? Now that is the that is the key. You have to watch why they're doing what they're doing and what are they getting out of it? What are they getting out of it? Now we do have a lot of people who are waking up, who are getting out of this transgender movement who are getting out of this homosexual movement, who are opting out. They live that life. They've been there, done that. And they see that it's not what they say it is. They want to end that dysfunctional, toxic lifestyle because they know what it's really about because they've actually lived it. A lot of people felt pressured, coerced, and intimidated into doing certain things. A lot of people did it because they wanted a sense of belonging. They want to be part of something. And that's the reason why they jumped on the the homosexual bandwagon, the transgender bandwagon. That's the reason why they did it. And if people could change, they can detransition. They can go back to being who they are. What does that tell you? What does that tell you? It wasn't real to begin with. One day you feel like a man, the next day you feel like a woman, the next day you feel like a man again and you go back to being, ah, there's no stability at all. No mental, emotional, or social stability. People could just bounce from one identity to the next. That's crazy. That is literally the definition of crazy. No type of mental or emotional stability and that interferes with your normal functioning. It creates a problem because you're fluctuating all the time between gender identities, between sexual orientation and sexual status. Again, sexuality becomes the primary focus. Nothing else matters. A lot of people are coming out. They say, no, this is not what is cut out to be. This is not the way it should be. And they're going back to their own biological identity. Hopefully this podcast. Hopefully it has been very helpful and to help a lot of people understand what actually is going on for them to stop and take a stand. People are so narcissistic. You know, they're so self-centered and so self-absorbed. They're into what they want. And we have to stop and think about what is good for the greater society. It's not just about individual personal pursuit. It's not just about making yourself happy. It's about what is sustainable and what is going to help the family, what's going to help the community, what's going to help the world. We have to look beyond ourselves. But because people are so narcissistic, they're so self-centered and so egotistical that they're willing to do anything just to get what they want. They don't care about the greater good of the society. 
And people have become so hedonistic in the sense where all they want is to have fun. They just want personal pleasure. They just want to enjoy life, irregardless of the consequences. Even though it destabilizes society. They just want to have fun. They just want to have a good time. And a lot of these people are trapped in a perpetual state of childhood. They are very immature. They have not grown up yet. A lot of these people have a a lot of mental and emotional health problems. They haven't addressed the issues that's causing them to want to change their biological identity. A lot of people have been victim of trauma. And that's the reason why they do what they do. But we're not dealing with those things because we're so busy saying, oh, you can do whatever you want. You can feel whatever you feel. And these people are becoming very entitled. And when they don't have their ways, they feel like they can attack people. They can judge people. They can criticize. They can physically harm. They can threaten. They can do whatever they want because they feel entitled. They feel entitled. They're not looking for the greater good. They're not trying to be a team player on the side of the human race. They want to step outside and do whatever they want. So this is the ending of that part. Thank you very much.